And let me say, please, that I'm so pleased today to have such an easy passage where to speak from, um, as it deals with something that can never be mentioned in church, which is money. You know, although it's a quite complicated uh, subject, let's say, I like how Jesus presents uh, this strong and yet not dividing approach to the subject, to the matter. So let's find out why <laughs> Jesus is strong and yet not dividing on this uh, subject. In verse 19 and 20, um, in the first part of the passage that we have just read, Jesus said this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Someone very close to me uh, is an interesting habit, I would say. He... From chocolate to clothes, he will store everything. He will store up everything. Um, and he will put that, those things in his, in his own space at home. And uh, when he look at it, he is very pleased with that. And uh, over the years, um, he stored up many, many things. All sorts of th things. Or I, I should say, all, all sorts of stuff, like you say in Yorkshire. I can understand why he does it. I can understand because that help, helps him to remember. Or let me put it in the other way around. Those things that he looks at, it does, well, actually help him to not forget. Probably he has some memories uh, connected to them or some other kind of uh, love for them. But every time that I try to throw them away, to chuck them away, the response that I always receive is, don't you dare to throw them away. These are memories. Can you not see? And doesn't society do the same with us, but with money? We are consistently pushed to find our own security, our own love, or um, yeah, safety in finances, in what we materially have. The problem, though, is that instead of giving us insurance or assurance, these things only give us more doubts. Today's society, globally speaking, I was doing a research, is the wealthiest of history. Someone considered poor has to live on um, five pounds, almost um, five pounds a day, or even less than that. And this is with one-fifth of the global population that lives on that kind of uh, income. And yet society... Through social media, even songs, and sometimes even when you are on YouTube watching some adverts, you, well, watching some videos, some adverts will come up and saying, do you want to make more money? Or even there is a more subdual question that they ask you, and this question actually gives you, <laughs> you know, a massive, huge doubt, because it's a great question. Are you sure that what you have is enough? You know, it doesn't matter if you have life savings or if you just live on a day-to-day -day basis. That single question, are you sure that you have enough, is enough to create a gigantic doubt and actually affect our lives. You know, the key to understand Jesus' teaching um, 
is not to be found in money themselves, or itself, sorry, but is to be found in the sense of safety that we often apply to money. I want to make clear right now in this precise moment that Jesus is not condemning, condemning money at all. He's not saying money are evil. Jesus understood the value of money, and to deny that money have no importance or that they do not control our lives can be placed somewhere between foolish and naive. And let me tell you that Jesus was neither of these. You know, when Jesus, in verse 19, affirms something like, um, or actually affirms this, he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. It means that we should not place that security that we often attribute to the money. Do not look at what we don't have and try to achieve that. Because it's not that what really matters in life. Because that can be taken away in every moment, in any moment. Look how Jesus actually described uh, the fragility of this security. How this castle is feeble. He says, most and vermin destroy, thieves break in, and all of a sudden, all, where, well, all that you have put your trust in will fall, will be gone. Money cannot fix broken relationships. Money cannot make our lives longer. Money cannot buy the love of those we love. And money cannot give us back the time that we waste instead of spending it with the, those who deserve it. Jesus teaching, uh, you know, Jesus is teaching his disciples to not considering money as their safety because money is not what adds value to your life. Money is not what makes us worthy. The Ecclesiastes, one of the richest men in the ancient world, he will say that to, to run after money is like chasing the wind. Can you see how Jesus' teaching actually, despite being 2,000 years old, is actually impacting our modern day of thinking? Jesus' teaching actually is worth to say that it was countercultural then, and it's more, even more now, even more countercultural now. But see, the irony, there is some irony in this passage, I think. This irony because Jesus is saying that what actually really matters, in verse 20, we can see that uh, he says, store up, for your store up for yourself, sorry, treasures in heaven. And ironically, these things that Jesus is speaking about cannot be bought with money. So then, what are these treasures that we can store up in heaven, and what actually, how can it be possible for us to, to store up treasures where somewhere, well, somewhere where we are not yet? How is it that possible? You know, to better understand these verses, I think, we have to go back to what Paul was saying uh, two weeks ago. Not Paul the Apostle, but actually, like you say, here uh, in Yorkshire, I would say, our Paul. Um, Paul, two weeks ago, he was speaking about the now and not yet. We live now with mindset on what is coming. So the idea is that, like a recent example of that can be what happened in politics um, uh, this past week with the new prime minister here, Rishi Sunak, uh, elected as prime minister. On October the 20th, Rishi Sunak was not yet uh, the prime minister at that moment. According to the BBC, 
had at least 193 MPs backing him against the 23 MPs backing his main opponent, Penny Mordant. I hope I, may, I said that right, I don't know. It was clear, actually, that he was the next prime minister, although he was not yet elected. And Paul, last week, was saying something similar with David. But can you see now, actually, what Jesus' point is? Jesus is, say, Jesus is setting the safety point on something that lasts forever, something that is not depending on moth and rust, something that is not subject to the time. And again, these, most of the times, if not always, are not material things, are not things that can be bought. But actually, what is even more interesting is that in this perspective, if we take Jesus' perspective, we are no longer living uh, an horizontal life, let's say. An horizontal life which is uh, often compromised by today's worries. But actually, we set ourselves in a higher place where we can see what's beyond, and what's beyond those worries. We live the now, if we stand here, with the mindset of what's coming next. But now, after knowing the how this is possible, we may want to know what actually are these things that cannot be bought. Paul, not our Paul now, but Paul the Apostle, in one of his letters uh, that he wrote while imprisoned uh, to the Philippians, he gives this direction to the community. Philippians 4, 6, 9 says this, Do not be anxious about anything. Interesting. Instead, in every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Tell your request to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guide your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. And here is the practical part. What are these treasures? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if something is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things where to think is not to be intended only about, oh, these are nice things. To think actually means to, be, to put into practice these things. But you know what's striking of this passage that's so fantastic? Can you see how Paul actually, in the first part of this verse, he's saying to the community, say, do not worry about what's going on now, but set your mind on what is pure, what is worthy of respect, honorable, just, Lovely, commendable. And then Paul says something even about me. Think about, think about what is excellent, like me. Or praiseworthy. But throughout the letter as well, if, we, if you give a look to the letter to the Philippians, it's a beautiful letter in which Paul also underlines the importance of the unity of the church and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. These are the, thing, these are the things that we should set our mind on. These are the things that we should treasure or store up. Because these are the things that cannot be corrupted by rust and vermin. These are heavenly treasures. This is what can give us true security because these are the things that add value to our lives.
you know, I'm sorry because this is such a short passage, but there is so much stuff to say or stuff again. <laughs> Jesus' words changed the perspective of his disciples on what's material, saying that what, saying that what concerns our spiritual life, as we, we can see, the treasure, the heavenly treasures, are far more important than what's going on now. But I think we should um, say that this passage is not like a call to live in poverty. The challenge of this passage actually is to set the right priorities in our lives. Of course, in this precise context, it's more regarding uh, finances, regarding money. But nonetheless, this passage can embrace many other aspects of our lives. In verse 21, for example, Jesus set a critical teaching in the Bible. It is one of those verses that is always worthy to carry with us. And he says this in verse 21, going back to the Sermon on the Mount. He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, not all of us consider what we have a treasure. You know, the person I was telling you about in the, uh, at the beginning, uh, every time that I try to touch his stuff, he would say, don't you dare. Is there something in our, in our lives, actually, that we cannot do without? And I, I want to say to you, I want to make clear that I'm not here to point any fingers um, to any of you. Actually, I'm not better than any of you. Um, because, you know, the words of Jesus are a sword that cuts right through the heart and through the behaviors of, all, of us all. These are offensive, ruthless, brutal words which are meant to be like that. I have to analyze myself. When I was reading the passage, I had to analyze myself and I had to say, what is my treasure? What is that thing that I cannot live without? That thing that makes me feel worthy and safe when I look at it. That thing, actually, that thing that hinders me to store up treasures in heaven. And can you see, actually, how the spiritual life for God and material life are not two separate things, but actually they work together. They, they are not separate, they are together in all the situations of our lives, no matter what we are going through. But it is now the best that is coming. In verse 22 and 23, when Jesus uses a very interesting analogy, something that I had to read through many, many, many times before to get my head around it. He says this, the eye is the lamp of the body, which is already mind-blowing. If, you if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? I don't know about you, but as I said before, the first time that I read this, I got stuck at... The eye is the lamp of the body. But, so I cannot, you know, I cannot understand exactly what Jesus was talking about. And I want to dig deeper in that. And I think that a modern way to see it, if we want to make a parallel with what Jesus was saying, can be a modern reading of this analogy. 
Um, instead of using the eye, I try to use a camera, like this camera that I have in front of me. The, the lens of the camera, the camera actually, is the eye of the camera. If the lens is, if the lens, sorry, is tidy, clean, well kept, the picture that the camera will take will be awesome, will be beautiful. But if the lens is dusty, is broken, or even just a wee bit dirty, a little bit dirty, the picture that it will take will be blurry. We cannot see a proper picture of that. And, uh, and even more, like Jesus goes on, if then the lens that we are using is not only dirty, but actually is even covered by the lid, what kind of picture are we going to take? The only thing that we are going to see is only a black square. I don't know if that, this makes Jesus' analogy any easier, but the idea is that Jesus described uh, the eye as the source through which the light, so the heavenly things, comes in. However, the lens, the eye, can be blurred by materialism and many other things that can hinder us to have a clear picture of the heavenly things. Tim Keller, in one of his sermons, he says this. He says, the materialism or greed is very difficult to, to spot. It's not as straightforward as other things, uh, let's say, as other sins, if you want to put it like that. For example, it's not by accident that you find yourself in someone else's house taking away their stuff in a bag. Instead, it's not as straightforward that we become materialistic or how much we care about what are we treasuring on this earth. Also because very often we are moved by the right reasons to do so. We often fall in a category, in the category of cameras, to go back to the analogy, that are just a slightly, a little bit dirty. And, and you know, even sometimes a tiny hair on the lens of the camera can blur the whole picture. The reasons why we try to find our trust or our safety in uh, uh, finances are very honorable at times. We want to grant our children a better future. We want to uh, make wonderful gifts for Christmas without having a huge impact on our finances. We stay longer at work. We deny time to rest. We are very selfless in what we do. But the beauty of this passage actually is to be found in the fact that Jesus is calling us to not give a materialistic value to people that we love or even to what we want to achieve in life. And even more beautiful than that is the fact that we don't have to find our identity in what we have by in who we are for God. And consequently, we will not consider people for what they have but for who they are in the eyes of God. I want to make a question um, which is very brutal. If we had to value everything that we have here, if we had to put all, this, all the things that we have together in one big thing, what the value of that sum will be? And I want to tell you something, that whatever the sum will be, you will be know the value. It will be no because it's nothing compared to what God has given us to win us. 
The Apostle Paul, again, in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20, he reminds us that we are bought with a price, which in the context of that verse just highlights how important we are for God. And in fact, going back to the Sermon on the Mount at verse 24, Jesus says something that is straightforward and brutal. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. And we should stop and think about why we cannot do that. And the difference, I think, lies in this. And this is also why I think that Jesus' message is not dividing. But it's actually very uniting. While we have to rush, run, chase for money and financial security, God has chased us. And God has bought us, has bought us a high price. Even higher than the 38.1 billion pounds that has been spent to buy Twitter. I don't know if you knew the news, but it was quite a big news this week. And the price to pay was the death of his son, Jesus Christ. Naked, pierced, nailed to the cross, which in the, if we imagine that scene, if we imagine this picture, if we can take the picture of Jesus in our minds now, the cross is something that, according to society, can seem a defeat. However, Jesus, who looks at the heart of the people, knowing what they have, he was willing to give himself up and pay the price. And this is why we should be willing to serve God and no money. Because God is the only one who does not consider what our bank statement is, is the God who considers us worthy of giving his son, his treasure up for us, for those who believe. And if you want to consider how practical this uh, passage is, again, the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Timothy 6, in verses 17 and 18, when he's directing Timothy, his pupil, he says this, Command those who are rich in this present age or in this present world to not be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of their life, of the life that is truly life. I think this last passage is quite straightforward and very practical. And once again, the Bible is not condemning money, it's not condemning rich people. It's not creating a gap between poor people and rich people, like the society does, unfortunately. It neither tells us to be naive about money, saying that money are not valuable in our life, are not important. But it challenges us to not find our safety 
in what we have, in material possession, because they can be taken away at any moment. They will not add value to our life. Money is important, of course, but it doesn't deserve to be chased. Jesus, who paid the highest price to win you, to win you and me, actually, is worthy to follow. And, that, and like this series is called, his words are worthy to be lived by. Be, earlier on, we were singing these wonderful hymns that I just want to go back to. And then I'm, this will be the word of God for us, which says, Riches I heed not, nor vain, empty praise. Thou, my inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure, thou heart. May God bless us.